Okay, we're recording. Colleen, you're uh, you're not at home. Looks like are you at co working space? I am. I joined a co working space because the January blues were getting me down, and I needed to get. I out of heard my house. that. Yeah, I heard that <laughs> on that? Software Social this morning. Oh yeah, yeah. So I figure step one. I know three people here at this co working space. I use the term no loosely, like I've met them once, mm-hmm. and so. I decided to join to literally just get myself out of the house. Um, yeah. So this is why my mic doesn't sound as good, though. Sorry about that. How often are you planning on going? Three times a week. Oh, nice. As it so fits into my schedule. I had the co-working space pre-pandemic, and that was a significant like mental health plus. Though I didn't know anybody in the co-working space very well. I mean, eventually I got to know people a little bit, but it just helped to have people around <laughs> you know yes. uh yes. so i had this like community in our bbiz slack but just being at home plus that is not was not enough and then i got the co-working space and i was like i think what's going on is i've tricked my brain into thinking that i'm hanging out with my friends all day because mm-hmm. i got enough interaction in bbiz and then i had you know human bodies around me and I used to, I, you kind of get that at coffee shops, but you get sick of working at coffee shops. Like you just want your own space, yeah. you know, like I had my own desk so I could, and also having my own desk and office was brilliant because I could also walk there. So it was like a 15 minute walk. I did my work there. It was not at home. So even if Beth was at home for a while with the kid or whatever, I could just leave and then walk back and the buffer between like I'm the anti-commute, but like having like a little break in between was good for separation between like work and personal life. Yeah. Anyway, the, the, uh, the mental health benefits of the co-working space were significant. I'm looking forward to getting that started again at some point. Yeah, I, I think so. The only downside is there's a wait list for private desks. So I'll have to see how that goes in terms of like, like sitting in the chairs that aren't quite as comfortable, but I agree. I'm also anti-commute. But on the way here, I listened to startups for the rest of us and like, you know, got in the headspace and it's only 12 minutes. So it wasn't like it's eating significantly into my day and it still kind of gave me an opportunity to separate them. So I think my energy feels really good today. I think it's going to be really good. Or you sound a lot happier today. Or or the coffee is free. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Sean, is this co-working space that you were at the one where they actually thought you were a company that was preparing for an alien invasion? Yep, that was the one. <laughs> <laughs> I was there for years until I finally figured out one day because people started sending me emails to like alien conspiracy stuff. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's really cool. Thanks. Wow, interesting. Thanks for sharing that with me. And the <laughs> And I'm like, why do they keep sending me this stuff? And then it finally dawned on me that because somebody asked me the thing that, well, somebody eventually just asked me, they were like, so your company's name is planning for aliens. Like, so what do you do? Like, do you have, you know, and literally asking me like how I'm planning for aliens. And, uh, (laughs) and if, you know, like if I run a podcast about that or cause that, cause they would see me go record in this room. One time I'm in there recording in this room and one of the guys comes by and is like doing like, um, fist pumps in the air at me and i was like okay wow i was really excited for me for this for this podcast big alien fan yeah i think he was just being real supportive of my conspiracy theory podcast 
I mean, it's oh. years. I live. I worked there for years. That that's what they thought. It's like okay. <laughs> that is too good. <laughs> well, Colleen, you want to keep going? What's going on with yeah, you? Yeah, sure. So let's see. So the plan this week. So last week and the week before, I've spent a couple of weeks kind of figuring out, as we've discussed, doing the nested filters. And so that worked as kind of an MVP in order to show them what I was working towards and what we were building. And so the next the plan for this week is I'm going to actually pull out that stuff, create a filter condition. And then we're also as Aaron and I had a chat about this, but we're going to have filter condition and we're also going to have filter refinements. And hopefully the structure of that is going to be kind of similar to the way we're able to do refinements now with just a few tweaks. So that's the goal this week. And that's a pretty, I mean, that's pretty, it's a pretty big change. But now that I know how to do it, I don't think it will be super, super time consuming. So that's kind of what, that's what I'm doing on my day job. So for my night job this week, um, (laughs) I want to work on that repo I pulled out for Jesse I want to get that mm-hmm. working in a sample Rails app with a front and back end. So that's my night right. job. I think that's going to be the challenge. There's just um, the way we're stabilizing and the way we're pushing and the way we're managing the blueprint on the front end and turbo um, and the Ajax requests we're sending the back end. When I pulled that out, it didn't pull completely cleanly. So I want to get that working. I think that's the first step. I, I gave myself, uh, us, myself, whatever, two months to kind of have this, ready to go. I think that's realistic. And so first step is pulling it out, see where I am and then go from there. And the two month time from Jesse on the, sorry, go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say the two month timeline is the one that you gave to that first rails person that you reached out to Ben. Okay. Yeah. I told Ben two months and I think, you know, I think that's realistic and I think, um, I do too. I, I think it'll be good. Like, I think it's going to work out. So really it's, I mean, as Sean told us two weeks ago, but he's right. Like it's kind of done. It's not kind of done. It is done. I need to revisit inline errors because there's something funky going on with relationships. How are you guys doing inline errors? Are you just with your, in what regard? So Aaron gives me, Aaron gives me, um, so it's a, we're using components, right? Cause it's a view right. front end. So we just have an errors right. prop. We just get yeah. the errors okay. and then you just get the errors. Yeah. Them. Okay. It's yeah, I'm not, I haven't had time to look at it. Yeah, I haven't had time to look at it. But what's happening is something weird is happening with the hot wire and the net. It only happens on relationship attributes, but something kind of funky is happening with errors. But that is going to I'm going to look at that again, probably next week. But that's the only thing that's a little dicey <clears throat> um, on what we have. But otherwise, we're ready to sh- I mean, ready to ship. All of the big pieces are done for Rails and Hotwire, so I just need to figure out how to pull them out, separate them a little bit from forcing the stabilized URL um, to give the user more options. But, yeah, that's kind of the immediate, what is this, I'd say, rest of January plan. Yeah, I'd say that sounds that sounds awesome. I'm psyched. Did you get any feedback from Jesse? Like, he looked at it, evaluated it. Did we actually, like, close that loop? Yeah, it didn't work for his use case because they're doing this, user specified json and so um that's the feedback they're having other issues it sounds like that are closer alligators to the boat oh so he stopped working on that yeah basically they shelved it it wasn't because it they didn't think it was good software just they were having some kind of other issues and um our thing our refine didn't like immediately slot in with what they were trying to do on the front end and so they kind of took a different direction yeah, I think I'd it was curious. those two things. I think it was the front end. They wanted to use their own custom thing. Yeah. 
And then the second one was the user-defined JSONB stuff in Postgres. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Well, you sound a lot more chipper this week, Colleen, so I'm I'm happy that co-working space yeah. and coffee and whatever it is is kicking in. <laughs> yeah. A plan. I like to have a plan. I like that yeah. I have a plan now. I know what the rest of the month holds uh, from a work perspective. I mean, as long as the children stay in school. Um, so <laughs> we're, just, we're just all doing the best we can, right? Yep. Cool. Anything else you want to talk mm-hmm. about? Sean, what's going on with you? Um, so we got, I talked with Neil yesterday. So he's, you know, ongoing, getting things up and running the way he would like it. So the sort of broad themes that I'm getting are, which is helping me prioritize is, and this is also the same feedback from you and you trying to essentially do a highly customized version of our front end in Nova is that the efforts right now should be work focused on customization. So the the theming stuff is good enough for now, but it's going to need to be improved soon. Um, the ability to eject from our components exists, but is limited and is not fine-grained enough. Um, so we'll we'll put some effort into that. Sounds like Jeff is going to be working on that. And then, um, so we'll put a little effort into that and we'll be able to test it out with Neil and you on Nova. So we'll be able to see if that API feels good or not, if it works. Um, So that's perfect, actually. And I think that that's probably, in terms of business objectives and goals, that makes the most sense because I suspect that I think from when we think about marketing for this, that we're going to need to work on the, I think the concept is easy to understand. And I believe that we'll be able to show that like immediately. Um, But then I think the first thing that needs to happen is we have to overcome the objections, which there will be plenty from developers. That's what I think. Like, I think that we need to overcome the objections and customization like fine grained customization is a way to check that box and overcome um, objections. And I'm thinking about it when I pick tools in the past, it's been the same thing where it's like, okay, maybe that's not exactly what I want, but Oh, look, I can do my own thing here and tweak it. So it's fine. It makes you feel better about the purchase. And then you can just, and then you can just go from there. Also to that end, still think that this is just a stray thought. We don't have to follow this, but that the, uh, that overcoming objections will be like our primary thing that we got to do with marketing. So it'll be like through our docs, through features, yada, yada. But also I still think that a big thing we could do for that is let them just use the package before they buy it to make sure that it works. But I just keep wanting to bring that up so we can keep that in our minds and revisit it and see if that starts to make sense to you guys or if it doesn't, but either way, um, just want to bring that up. So yeah, so all of that stuff is really like aligned and makes sense to me. And I like, the way we're spending our time and money right now on the front ends on that stuff. So then that's all like, actually Jeff is going to be working on that. So I'm freed up from that. So then I'm working on the marketing stuff. So I'm doing the, um, I am using remix, which is a react framework to build us a little blogging platform. Um, that I'm hoping I can turn into a little bit of content marketing. We'll see. That should be an opportunity. So it wouldn't be, won't be wasted. Um, and then the 
next step there is really trying to get landing pages. So there's two landing pages that we need. One is like kind of just a homepage, which is less important. And the other one is the, for now. And the other one is the, uh, the product landing page for refine specifically. So I've enlisted Zach Goldie to help me. He's the guy that was in our BBiz channel who does landing pages. Um, I mean, I always get good feedback from everybody in BBiz and usually that's what I do is just drop it there. And also I don't suck at landing pages. So, but it, it'll be more efficient to work with him. Um, uh, and he's primarily copywriting. Is that right? Yeah. That's what he does is landing pages mostly. So, so we're gonna have a meeting. I'm gonna explain the business to him and we'll figure it out. That's going to cost less than a thousand bucks. It'll be like 500 bucks or something. Um, that's like special discount for us. So if anybody else wants to hire Zach Goldie, it's going to be way more because he's (laughs) super expensive and awesome. (laughs) Um, worth it. Yeah. So that's, so that's that step. I think, uh, with him, I started thinking about, he has this quadrant system, which is super cool and interesting, um, about how you could think about where your customers are at in the buying process for your landing page. Cause like, I know, I feel like I know our audience cause I'm going to be writing this for developers. Um, that's my audience, but developers are at different stages in the buying process and like, where should we focus? So what I was talking with him about is, like, and he has this brilliant quadrant, which is super useful to understand it. But for us, so I think that we have lined up for us, like for the next several months, at least enough people who are already in the like eager to buy it quadrant, which is like, you know, we don't need to tell them what it is. We don't need to like tell them why they should have it. They're already like lined up and ready to buy. Um, so I think for a while that we'll have enough we'll be able to sort of like get enough, you know, traction from that for a few months. But then like we talked about million, million times, it's like, okay, well then what? Right. Cause like, well, then what do we do? So I want to start working on that bet. Like I'm going to start placing bets on like what I think it will be now. That way we can have something seeds planted basically for when we get there. So that would then put our marketing copy in a different quadrant of like where people want to buy. At least I think this is my theory. Um, that will be in the quadrant where they they are low intention, but like familiar with the problem. So basically, like they'll see it and realize, oh, I didn't even I didn't even realize that I could have that. And so, and then they could see it, and then it slots into their mind of like, oh yeah, we could drop that in this place on our app. We could drop that in this place. Developers don't have to write this. Like, so I think um, I think that's the that's the sort of target I'm going to go after. And then the copy will be for that purpose. Cause I don't think I need to placate the people that are already going to buy it. Like we'll put it, we'll make it obvious and like, here's the docs and here's what it does. And like, here's how you can go buy it. Like that'll be at the top. Like here's what it is, but then it's got to go into more to like show people like where they could use it, how they could use it. So then, so then that'll become like the, the sort of like, core of the strategy for anything that I'm going to do marketing wise for the next like couple months. So that's what and I'm doing. With which that. quadrant, um, what are the axes on the quadrant and which, let me bring up this quadrant. Cause I've, I'm like blanking on it. Hang on two seconds. All right, here we go. So at the, so there's two axes. X axis is on the left unfamiliar on the right experienced, meaning they're unfamiliar with this type of product and what it does. On the right, it means they're experienced, meaning, oh yeah, like like um, our main client, 
they already have literally written this. So they know mm-hmm. what this is. They know about like buying components and using them. They're actively looking to switch. So, so that's one of the quadrants, but anyway, the other, the Y axis is, uh, at the bottom, no intent. And at the top actively searching. Okay. So the eager first time buyer is, uh, unfamiliar cause they've never used this before. They've never used a component like this before. Uh, and they're actively searching, meaning like, yep, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So like, that's, that's most of our people are there right now. Um, I, there's other ways to frame this. Like I've been thinking about it. Um, we could say that most of our people are actively looking to switch, meaning they already have something that they wrote themselves and they're like, okay, this is garbage and I want to swap it out. So I think we have people in both of those quadrants. Does that make sense? So those are both on the actively searching side of it and both on the unfamiliar and experienced side of that. Mm -hmm. And then the quadrant I'm looking at is the um, unfamiliar and, and no intent, meaning I didn't even know that I could do this in my app. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the quadrant I'm thinking of thinking of right now. I still got a conversation with Zach and I may change that and may sort of like reframe how I'm thinking about it. But that was like looking at that quadrant. I was like, Oh, I think I want that. So is that and content that is- like, oh, is that content like you would do a case study where a company was like, Oh, we implemented this and it saved us number of dollars or it saved us X amount of time or we gained like, how, how do you even reach those people? Well, I think I've, my hypothesis for this is that like our thing is really straightforward. So like, okay, example, there was this, um, there's this other component tool. <clears throat> there's a lot of these coming out now, by the way, most of them are, they own the platform versus I like ours is tightly integrated with the, with the back end. But anyway, so there's this other component thing that came out. I think it was called command bar command bar. Yeah. Yeah. I never tool. Yeah. 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 So I was definitely in the never even considered solutions before quadrant of that. Like from my, from my full-time day job, looking at our product, I'm our product manager. I'm looking at our product. I'd literally never considered this before. I saw the demo on the, I looked at the homepage I saw what it did. And then I was like, immediately transferred to like, oh, okay, we should use this. And then the same thing for my boss. Like he saw it and he was like, oh yeah, we should use that. All it took was, here's what it is. And then you're like, oh yeah, dot. Like it has a slot in my brain. I just am like, this is going to solve. I automatically could see like this solves a lot of problems for us. Like the better solution for us would be way more investment into designers. (laughs) But instead you know, our app is complicated, so we can use this command bar thing to like give some of our power users shortcuts and like make things clear in different contexts. Anyway, I had a slot for this in my brain, but I didn't even know there was a tool, right? Does that make sense? Yep. So all I had to do, I saw the tool, connected the dots. Their landing page was good enough to like connect the dots for me for that. And I think ours is the same. As soon as people see see this, you can't help but see all the places where you could just use this. <laughs> like <Yeah. clears throat> I, uh, it happens all the time to me now. So I'm like, and the, the only reason you wouldn't is because it's costly, right? Like it's costs a lot for developers. So I think that that's kind of all we need to do. And then it's a matter of how do we get in front of people and the other pieces integrations. So, cause like overcoming objections is like, like I said, I think it'd be our main challenge and the main challenge, the main objections are going to be like 
will this be customizable and work in our situation? And if there's an integration for the thing that you already have, that's yet again another another way to overcome objections. And then also it's the same thing. It's another marketing channel. So like, cause we can, you know, we could partner with people and we could, so there's, there's opportunities that way. So yeah, like that's what I think it's going to be integrations and then just really clearly showing what it is. And then probably I'll find some ad bias that I can do. Um, that'll be experimental, right? Like we'll have to figure out what works for us. This stuff is so exciting. <laughs> it is. I feel like we've been working on the technical stuff for so long that hearing you talk about how we're going to market it and find people is pretty exciting for me. Yeah, it's it's a really good next step. So, so there's that update. We can talk more about marketing. I should give like the technical update. The because we have oh my god. So the front end challenge is significant, right? So we have. I was talking with, I think it was Jeff, no, somebody about, um, oh, no, 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 it was the other, it was the other guy from that, that consultancy that you connected with Aaron. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody's, he had, a, he had some thoughts about how I could um, provide different front ends or whatever. I forget what exactly his, his solution was, but it didn't, it didn't factor in the, the fact that we have essentially, you know, a big O event squared on our front end in terms of like maintenance work. <laughs> so like it's, it's absurd. Like we are rapidly approaching, I think five different front ends that we're supporting. We got Hotwire, React, Vue 2, Vue 3, Nova. And that's why I'm like, we got to rein it in on the front end stuff because the complexity there is significant. Hmm. Um, but anyway, so... But to that end, I did some work to get us in a mono repo with Vue 2 and Vue 3. And it is like 99% there. I'm pretty sure like our app will be able to work in both and we won't have to do a separate branch, which will be a significant reduction of like maintenance headaches for us for the next couple of years. And that's the thing we got to think about it because like the Vue 2 thing is going to be around for a while. And I can't imagine trying to maintain two branches for the next two no. years. Like for this, it's just be ridiculous. Um so, and then the, I figured out how to get the ARN workspaces thing set up. So we got a mono repo, which means Dave can put his stuff in there too. And we can start like taking advantage of all that stuff and share tests and types and all that stuff, which will be, which will be good. But, and then the hotwire thing is just its own redheaded stepchild. I have no idea, you know, what we'll do there, but, uh, <laughs> good luck, Colleen. <laughs> just, I'm just going to throw that over to you. I'm just, I don't know. She'll figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, that's the so that's the front end update. That seems massive. Um and you think Dave will be able to get the React stuff in the same mono repo cuz I know he had some ideas about sharing stuff across um React Vue 2 and Vue 3. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the point. Yep, totally. That's awesome. I'm super pumped for that. So now we've got Dave working on React, Jeff working on Vue 2 and 3. Sean, you're working on, on marketing and view stuff. Colleen's on Rails. I'm on Laravel and Nova. Like we're really we're we're really doing the thing here. Yeah. Need more customers. We need more customers. Yep. The uh like I don't think we should increase the surface area of anything that we're doing until we have more customers. I agree. Like I'm okay with the Nova thing because it's an integration and it fits into that whole scheme that I was talking about with the marketing side. Um, 
And I think that the maintenance for Nova will be less. So it's just an upfront cost. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, all right, really what we should do is like get in more customers and let them like give us the work that we need to be done. Like I have a bunch of front end stuff that's prioritized. Thanks to Neil and thanks to, right. You know, well, you're kind of our Nova customer. So, right. And, so, and these are basically like customer number two, you dog feeding yeah. our own thing. So that's super helpful, but we need more Then it's time. I think to pull in, pull in more people. Although it's like, yeah, it's time, but also like, I know exactly what they're going to need and they're going to need this customization stuff and we don't have it yet. So it's like, uh, I can't, I have no bandwidth, you know, like I've right. got to, once I get this view two, view three done, which is still not done. I probably put 80 hours in the last two weeks into it. Like just Holy absorb crap. me completely. Oh so my it's gosh. Like, uh, yeah. But you know what, man? Like I'm going to be like a library package maintainer now for the next couple of years. So yeah. I need to actually know how that shit works. So it was more learning curve than work. Cause I've gone, I've spun through a couple different branches, a couple different attempts, a couple different things. And all of every time I'm learning a new thing, you know? Um, and so I think I'm finally like, up to date with like the latest <laughs> what I should be doing. Uh, but yeah, that whole ecosystem is, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. That's a real indictment on the JavaScript ecosystem or the JavaScript packaging ecosystem. Yeah. So. yeah. It's going good places. It's headed in the right direction, but it is you think not the view team is doing right a lot now. of that. The view three Vite. Well, Vite's awesome. I guess, I, I guess it's coming out of that. I think the view three ecosystem looks a lot better than view two ecosystem for sure. Also, cause it looks more reacty. So I'm biased. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, the, the, <laughs> I'm trying to not let myself get sidetracked saying why I like react. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> the, but yes, it's in terms of like the packaging system. So we finally have a standard, which I think everybody will move towards, which is ESM. And like Mm -hmm. that, and then like the whole build step as well, because that's basically what makes Vite work is that module system. And then Yarn, I believe at the moment is doing the best work in terms of um, figuring out dependency trees and like managing your your Mm -hmm. packages. So like what you get with Laravel or what I get Python rails with my gems and how they keep track of dependencies. We'll get that pretty soon here um, with, uh, with yarn probably first. And then like, it'll basically in another five years, it'll feel like an actual package manager, (laughs) but that's just the pace of standards, you know? Yeah. But then the benefit is it's standard. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's pretty glacial pace the moment because it's crazy like uh, the future is here like yarn has this thing i forget what it's called like plug and play or something but it's just totally different there's no node modules folder it's all Hmm. uh, it basically solves every problem and nobody uses it yet because like there's everything's got to catch up to it you know and like i don't even know if that'll be the thing that wins but like the point is the future is already here it's just you can't the gap between now and there is is large and it's like community driven, not really like there's no benevolent dictator of JavaScript. Hmm. I do feel like this is high leverage work, like getting this set up 
is going to pay off for a long, long time to come. Like all this work you've done getting two and three set up with the mono repo and hopefully react soon is going to make every other change going forward. Just like 10 times easier to maintain. I mean, I hope I'm not going to lie to you. I think there's a risk that like, like it's a, it's a question of how, how much machinery and apparatus do I set up versus how much, like most of the time my choice would be just to go with the simplest tooling possible because you know what you're getting into. Right. So maybe there's some like small headaches. It's not as clean. It's not as nice. It's not as organized, you know, okay, fine. We don't get the mono repo. And so like we've got types in two different places and that's a pain. Uh, most of the time it makes sense. I think to just deal with that pain and just do the, the simplest possible thing. Um, or like to have two branches and just deal with the pain of two branches for two and three. The thing is I like, I'm, I don't know. I, it's tough. Like I've learned enough now about the packages that I think that my assessment is we're safe to do this mono repo thing. And that the pain of, we would be continuous pain, like making it work continuously. But I think that it will be less than the continuous pain of dealing with multiple front ends because we're not done with adding the front ends. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's already significant. So we already just need, we need the tooling. (laughs) So I'm just, I'm guessing that this is right, but you know, it could just be like two months from now. We're like, all right, this is too much of a headache. Like F it, like eject from this and just branch it. It could be, but my guess right now is that it's worth it. I think that the main thing that that will, that will 100% take away from this is as a team, we now have, significantly more knowledge about how libraries and packages work, <laughs> which we had like none before. So I think that's probably like of the things that 100% we could take away from this, we'll have that and that will be good. But I'd say like 80% the, the, uh, the mono repo thing works out. <laughs> well, it seems like a safe bet, safe calculated bet I think for so. now. So yeah, dude, 80 hours in two weeks on top of, full-time job and family that's a whole lot yeah yeah i'm definitely reaching the end of my end of my go crazy time here yeah um but you know got a few more weeks to push through here to get us to laricon and get that stuff all set up but and and also it's like because i also know like hey if i don't get the customization stuff working we can't really onboard the only customers we can onboard are the ones that are willing to be like yep exactly as it is is fine and i don't need to make any tweaks other than some style sheet changes right um which is not many i think right so or maybe it's more than i realize i don't know i kind of guess probably not i think probably not unless we're talking about nova because yeah if i was it's gonna nova, say nova they don't I mean, they just go with the style that Nova gave them. So they would do that for us too. Yeah. Um, okay. I can, I can start talking about Nova now, unless you have anything else, Sean. Nope. Go for it. So I did talk with Jeff yesterday, um, about the kind of the stuff y'all had talked about, um, with regard to Nova and we decided he's going to move forward on, making the customization stuff easier. Um, I think after you and I talked about it, that's where we landed. So Jeff is going to start working on the view stuff, making the customization um, stuff easier, which will make the Nova package less to maintain because I can use more of the default view to package and then just change the stuff for Nova. 
but what we're going to do is he's going to move forward and I'm going to move forward um, without his stuff. So neither of us are waiting on the other and my implementation can help guide his. And when he's to a spot where he thinks it's ready, we can roll his back into Nova um, and then I can, I can just delete all of the, the stuff that I copied over. So the benefit there is um, he can get up to speed without feeling any pressure from me. Um, Cause he's not, he's no longer hold or he won't ever be holding up Nova. So having had that conversation, I'm going to be pushing Nova over the finish line, hopefully this week um, and reach out to the people that are a couple of people that I know want Nova and try to get them onboarded into our Slack. So that is, that's my plan with Nova. It's probably, I don't know, it's probably 95% of the way there. It works. Um, there are just a few more visual things I need to change to make it look right. And then there are things that I'm not going to do right now. Um, like I'm not going to offer a way for them to save filters. Um, because I can do that later and it's, it's in the URL. So they're, they're still directly addressable. If you want to save a filter, you just have to copy it and send it to your friend or whatever. So I'll work on, you know, stabilizing to the, 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 to the database at some other point, not concerned about that now. So super close on that, which is good. And I think we can get a ton of feedback on the Laravel stuff from Nova people. Um, so we'll get outsized feedback on Laravel and minimal feedback on the front end while we know the thing on the front end that we need to be working on. And so we're not getting a bunch of feedback on a front end that we already know we need to change, if that makes sense. So that's my plan. Um, what I did this past week, however, was none of that. Um, I So I took a day of PTO on Friday. Um took a day of PTO on Friday. Today's Tuesday. And I helped, um, I had my first database performance consulting engagement. Um, and it went great. I was just like thrilled to death about it. It's one of those things where I've done it so much in my life that I feel confident, but then you go to a client and you start thinking, wait a second, am I going to know what I, am I going to know what to do here? Or am I just going to totally embarrass myself? Um, it's the beginning out, of I, every single client project for the rest of your life. Always. Okay, great. Perfect. I look forward to that feeling. <laughs> Cause it's like the project starts and you're like, Oh, what have I gotten myself into? Well, I always yep. figured it out before. So here we go. <laughs> yep. That is exactly, yep. that's exactly how I have felt about other things, but this is a new, a new domain for me. Um, so, this is somebody that um, tweeted a while ago, hey, I need help with MySQL and Laravel. Does anyone know anyone? And a third person recommended me and said, you should reach out to Aaron. And so we set it up and it was great. This past Friday, we got on a screen share. He's in the UK. So I woke up, um, I started my day working with him at 6 a.m. So I started early and he stayed a little late. Um and we were on a screen share from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. And wow. he gave me his top. Yeah, it was a full, it was so a full eight day. hour. Yeah. He gave me his top three issues. Um, I had the repo set up locally and also had access to their staging database. And so 
he gave me his top three issues and then we would go silent for, you know, hour or two hours and I would come back with what I found and thoughts I had on fixing it. And I was able to fix them all, fixed all three wow. of them. That's awesome. Yeah. Queries went from 30 seconds to 30 or 300 milliseconds. Um, so pages nice. that would not load at all would just totally time out. Work great now. Um, and it was, it was like the perfect engagement that I would like to do in that it was MySQL and Laravel and the fixes were across MySQL and Laravel. Some of them were fixed just by changing some ORM patterns in Laravel itself. So I didn't have to touch any indexes or any data at all. I just looked at it and was like, ah, this, you know, this ORM method is actually not super efficient. If you do it this way, it'll just work. And it did. And then some of them were, okay, we need to add an extra composite index here or add a virtual column and then index that and it'll just work. Um, so it went great. I was thrilled. He was thrilled. I, left feeling super pumped. I was going to have a big old drink and then I realized I'm not drinking this month. So that was a bummer. I made a tea like an idiot. Um, but it was great. And I'm, I was just thrilled to death because it makes me, you know, it makes me feel really confident. Um, so I would like to do more of those just one day kind of Laravel, MySQL performance engagements. Let me come in you show me the sticky spots and I'll help you fix them because that is like, that's what I have bandwidth for. I can't take on, you know, two week consulting agreements right now because I've got, you know, I've got a full-time job and everything going on. But I think if I can start to build up this kind of client base slash reputation, this will help at some point in the next, who knows how many years this will help ease me out of full-time employment. So that's kind of my thinking right now. Um, another benefit of that is I learned a ton about what Laravel developers are struggling with in terms of the database layer. So this guy that I was working for, super smart, great Laravel developer, but ha just hasn't had a lot of database experience. Like he understands it. He just hasn't done a lot of it before. And so that was really helpful for me to see that, you know, very, very smart application developers just don't have a lot of experience sometimes with the database layer. And there are a lot of things that I can do um, to educate application developers on the database layer. And one of them I spent after so I did this thing on Friday and then I spent the entire weekend literally all weekend except Saturday morning. Cause Jennifer went to the spa on Saturday. So I was, I was single parenting on Saturday morning. Um, so I spent all weekend writing this, my article about, um, like more efficient pagination. So, you know, when you use offset limit, the further you go into the record set, the slower it gets. That was one of his issues was he was reaching page, you know, whatever hundreds of pages deep in his, in his pagination and the request would time out. And so I was able to come up with a kind of sneaky way to fix it. And then I spent the whole weekend writing an article about this sneaky MySQL way to fix this kind of pagination and published it, published it. I'm not, I'm not a journalist. I posted it on my blog on <laughs> Monday morning. So yesterday morning 
And so far, it's gotten like 180 retweets, which is insane because it's a blog post about my sequel pagination. <laughs> so, yes. So it makes me feel like there's a real opportunity here um, for us because our thing is so database specific. Um like we are providing application code, but it's very heavily reliant on some database knowledge. Um, and we're baking a lot of these best practices in, but the shape of people's data is still going to dictate a lot of the performance. And so I think there's a real opportunity for us here to be perceived or actually be um, database experts that will help um, kind of our reputation all in all. So I did that, and then at the end of the article, I put a a um, reform form, just a sign up form for a MySQL for developers course that doesn't exist, but I wanted to gauge interest on it because it's something I've been thinking about for a while. And I got several hundred signups for wow, yeah, yeah, um, for this for this MySQL course, and so and then then several people. Um, specifically it was in a long Twitter thread and it was the last tweet and several people specifically pulled the last tweet out and retweeted it specifically saying like, go, Aaron's doing a course. You need to go sign up for this course. Um, so yeah. So I'm thinking that could be, um, that could continue to be a good niche for me as the Laravel MySQL guy that bolsters our Hammerstone marketing efforts and simultaneously um, provides an off-ramp for me at some point in the future. I don't think that's soon, but at some point in the future. So trying to like keep all of my, um, all, all of my, circles overlapped as much as possible and building this universe of Aaron's expertise slash ways that he makes money. Um, and I think it, the picture is starting to become a little clearer for me. Great. Nice. Sean, I think you're muted. I think you're muted. I think, yeah, I think if you wanted a consulting biz, like it's, it seems like it's there, write a book, launch your consulting biz. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be curious. Um, I, I, I talked. I talked some numbers with Jennifer and tried to figure out like how much could I do day. Like, what what's a day rate that I could command at some point? How many days a year would I have to do that? And is that viable? Like, could I find that many? I think the answer now is no, but I don't think the answer in six months is no, or in a year is no. Um, and so that's kind of what I'm working towards, I think. Yeah, well, as supplement too, right? Wouldn't it be cool if you could quit your job and work on Hammerstone and consult to cover the gap in your income? Big time, exactly. And especially if you structure it the way you have, which is, that's a really focused engagement that you did. Mm-hmm. And it's not like staff og. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. the issue with consulting is if you if you don't do, like what you're doing is the way to do it. So you'll end up with very specific high leverage engagements with clients that you can bill a lot for and like per hour basis, right. It'll feel, mm-hmm. it'll be a lot, but like per value that you're bringing to the table, it won't be, it'll be right. fine. Right. Um, 
and and then it's one and done and you can say yes or no and you can add as many or as few as you want to your plate because you're also doing all the work that you need to do in order to have you've laid all the bricks already for having like a bunch of leads so you'll be good to go but the danger would be if you land in like a staff og situation yeah. where then that just you think like oh yeah i'll just do consulting for a few days a week and then that just sucks my energy from me and you know the only thing that you could do is yeah calling <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that you can look out with is like actually i've hired dave at my day job and i think that he's well maybe he's, he'll tell me otherwise but like I don't pressure him at all. He does like whatever hours he wants to work. Usually does like day or two a week. I give him stuff that's totally asynchronous, not like on our time pressure schedule as much as I can. And he jumps mm-hmm. in bugs and stuff every now and then, which is very, very helpful. But that is like, I'm sure enough to pay his bills. And then he gets to work mm-hmm. on his software product on the side, which is not quite paying the bills yet. Like the, in the staff log sense, it's like the only situation you could where that works. And that's almost, he's getting that. Cause I know, Cause I get value from him at that level. I have stuff for him to do at that level. And also I know like if I want a guy like Dave, which I do cause he's awesome and real good at his job, then the only, the only way I can get him is to, to, to do that. Like right. for, for a longer than, you know, short duration <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I kind of thought, um, back to early, early microconf days when Patrick McKenzie would talk about his engagements, um, And his basic deal was he would come in and do like marketing tests, optimization, that kind of stuff. And I remember him talking at MicroConf like in 2012 about how he come, he would come in for a couple of days or a a week. And then that was it. Like he would just come in, do the thing that they were asking for and then be gone. And he wouldn't, you know, he wasn't sticking around for two months to implement all the tests or the AB stuff. And, So I thought, like, I remembered that story, and then I thought about my reality in my life with everything that's going on. The big factor was the full-time job. Like, I can't can't rightfully take on, you know, a six-week engagement because that's going to bleed over into my full-time job too much, and that's just disrespectful. It's just wrong. So for the one day or the two day engagements, I can simply take PTO as is my right. You know, it's my PTO to do whatever I want with. So I take a day off and instead of just relaxing, I can do a high leverage engagement, get in, get out. Um, and everybody's happy. So that's kind of the parameters that I'm working in. And I feel like it's working. I, you know, I've done one, but that one worked really well. So let's see if I can pull that off again. But beyond that, I don't think I have anything else. Laricon is still a couple of weeks away. Um, I'm getting that. I'm getting the talk short up there. Um, unfortunately, there's a bit of coding I have to do with that because I'm introducing a new ability with Sidecar um, that is going to be really cool, but just needs a little bit of coding to to work. Um, but yeah, still burning it at both ends, but not for much longer. Um, I think it's totally worth it right now, but at some point, at some point I'm going to run out of steam and hopefully that's after February. I'm there. I'm there, man. I'm there. Yeah. It's different than burnout, but I am, uh, becoming tired. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I am becoming tired as well. It is easier. I will say with, 
a not an end, but a drop off in sight. February 9th is going to be a drop off um, in terms of back pressure. So that'll be good. I can make it. I can make it that long. Anything else? Nope. All right. We'll call it there.